0: how great is our God um, while I was standing there singing with the congregation there's a lot of things that inside of my mind and I just want to thank God for His grace, and He knows what are between in our life um, the first song that we sang really speaks to me, and I want to share, I want to read it again. I want to read it with you tonight. It says, Behold the man upon a cross, my guilt upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among scoffers. It was my team that held him there until it was it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Indeed, it is only by the grace of our God that I will be able to stand up here again and to share His word this evening. It is an honor to share His word, but at the same time, it is a big responsibility for me to do these things. Because I know that I must walk but I will gonna walk on this market. But just like what I always tell, it is only by His love and mercy that I will be able to share this word. It's still love month, right? Many people are so fascinated on Valentine's Day. It seems like this month is not complete if they don't have date somebody to their boyfriend or their girlfriend. But, um, it is not, it is already complete because of what God had, do, had done in our life. If you have your Bible with you, may I ask you to open it with me on Romans. Chapter eight, verse twenty-nine to thirty-nine. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-nine to thirty-nine. I will be reading from the New Living Translations, and it says, "For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him." And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Won't He always give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God Himself. For God Himself has given has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, and He was raised to life for us, and He is sitting in the place of honor God at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ, who loves us. Verse 38 and 39 says, "And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow." Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth glow, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless the reading of this word. I entitled to client's message, The Greatest Love of All. Whitney Houston sung this, sung this song, The Greatest Love of All, and some like of its line goes this way. I found the greatest love of all inside, inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. Recently we know that Whitney Houston had just passed away. We knew. But, I just used some of the lyrics
1: of her song just to give an example.
0: And we were talking earlier, if I'm going to share her life on this monkey, no I'm not. It just so happened that she died and I used the title of her song to share God's message this evening. Read me's song is somewhat wrong. Why is it wrong? Because in the Bible, the greatest love of all is the love that is being given by a person, not for his own benefit, but for others. And that is the love of God. I know I already used this passage a couple of times. Romans 8, 29-39. But... As I look on this chapter over and over again, it seems like every time that I meditate on this passage, there's something new that I've learned and that I've got on this particular passage. But before we move on, may I ask this congregation to join me in the word of prayer? Our loving God and Heavenly Father, we are so grateful of who you are, Lord God. And we just want to praise you because you are God. You know everything to us, Lord. God. A God that knows a God knows if you're hiding something. And we cannot keep it secret, Lord, God, unto you. Lord, despite of who we are, still you chose us to be free from the condemnation of our sin, Lord. God. And we're so grateful of that. Father, we are so thankful for the truth, Lord. Lord, as we study Your Word, may You guide us. Give us an open heart. Give us an open mind, Lord God. Cover me behind Your cross, Lord God, so that Your glory may see and not me, Lord God. Lord, I bring You back all the praises to Your name. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Just a little bit background of the book of Romans. Of all the books in the New Testament, when it comes to systematic theology, this particular book was divided into four chapters. I thought it was just three before, but it was four. The Apostle Paul clarifies, First, the core concept of the Christian faith. Sin and righteousness, faith and works, justification and election. It covers in detail, the sinful condition of man and his need for salvation. Um, that's from chapter 1 up to chapter 3 of this verse, of this particular book. Second, a clear explanation of salvation of the Spirit, or justification before God, which can only be apprehended by faith alone in Christ alone. That's from Romans 3.21 up to Romans five to eleven. Third, a definitive interpretation of Christ's death on the cross as the basis of salvation. That's from Romans 3:24, 26. An elaborate explanation of salvation of the soul to life or the process of sanctification, from 5:12 to 8:39. Then an exposition of God's chosen people, the nation, is Israel of Israel. Their path and their destiny. That's from Romans chapter 9, verse 11, 1, up to Romans chapter 11, up to 36. An extended section addressing spiritual gifts from 12, verses 1 to 8. And lastly, and the instructions on the believers' relationship to themselves, to the church, society, or the government and to other believers, that's from one up to chapter 15. Historically, it was probably been the most influential of the scripture. scriptures. Augustine, or Saint Augustine, was converted and he adopted Christianity as his religion by reading it by the year 8380. Martin Luther started the Protestant Reformation upon reading it and realizing realizing that salvation was by faith in Christ and not in works. That was on A.D. 1517. John Wesley received assurance of his salvation when he heard the preface to Luther's commentary on Romans. Read in a Moravian, Moravian house, church in London. And John Calvin wrote, When anyone understand this epistle, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole Scripture. And now, let us proceed on our main topic. That is on the third part of the Book of Romans. The greatest love of all. I want to share three things with you You things. The result of God's greater, greatest love to the believers. The greatest love is the reason why we are now enjoying our salvation. That's the first one. On verse twenty nine and 30 it says, "For God knew his people in advance, and He chose them to become like His son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come up to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. We are dead to sin because of our trespasses. In Romans chapter 5 verse 14 up to 19 19 says, Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did, now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who has yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift Is very different from the result of that one man's sin.
1: For Adam's sin led to condemnation,
0: but God's free gift led to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's once brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Now, a dead person has no ability, nor not capable of to respond, to react to whatever thing, because he is dead. Even if you slap the face of the dead person, shout to the person, but still, he will not go in response. And so, with a person who is dead spiritually, he is not capable of responding to anything concerning God. But you know, but you know what? But because of his greatest love, he gave us life. And it is not our choice, but his own choice. Just like what he says in verse 29 For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But before we understand his love, we must understand first his wrath. Why he is so angry at us, to us? It is because of our sins. We are all condemned to hell. Are we familiar with Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. What does it say? As the scriptures say, not me. Not me. No one is righteous. Not even one. On verse 23, 3.23, for everyone has seen and we all fall short of God's glorious standard on verse six twenty three says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I heard this illustration saying that we didn't sin to an ordinary man. We didn't seem, we did not sin to our boss or to our manager. We didn't sin to the president of a particular country but to whom we have sinned. We've sinned to God, the creator of this universe. Are we not afraid of that? That we sinned before God? Or we just heard it to our right ear and passed to the left. But you know, what satisfied his own wrath? What he did? Because of God's love, he made us alive through Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now, there's a question. Is God unfair? Is God unfair? This is also the question that Paul was given to the Romans. Romans chapter 9 verse 14 says, Are we saying that God was unfair? Of course not. But you also answered the same question. On Romans chapter 9 verse 16. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Romans 9 six, six, 16. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. No amount of good work that a person can do in order for him to be saved. It is purely the work of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God save you by grace when you believe. And you can't can take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So none of us can boast about it. In John chapter 6, verse 37 says, However, that the Father has given me will come to me,
1: and I will never reject them.
0: Number two. Second part. God's greatest love is the reason why we are assured of His sufficiency. That's on verse 31 and 32. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he always give us everything everything else? The basics, the basis of this. The love of the Father, we are all familiar, familiar on John verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He spared not his own son. It's like Abraham when God asked him to give Isaac, his only son. That's in Genesis chapter twenty-two, verse twelve. 6. And it says, Don't lay lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. God loves his son Jesus Christ. He really loves His Son. But because He, lo- he loves His Son, He willingly really gave Jesus to die on the cross for our salvation. What we, what we may therefore expect He will do. God owns everything in this world. Do you believe in that? In Psalms 50 verse 10 says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and everything on it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Haggai 2 verse 8, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord, of heaven's armies. So we have assurance the assurance He will with Him freely give us all things all things that He sees to be needful and necessary for us all good things and more we should not desire Psalms 34 verse 10 even strong young lions sometimes go hungry but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing, Because God is the owner of everything, it means that everything we have come before Him, He is the divine dispenser of all good things. Everything we have,
1: everything we own,
0: every blessing that ever came our, our way came from the sovereign, gracious hand of God, the Creator. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the things in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Brothers and sisters, your beautiful jewelry, your nice car, your adorable children, your pretty wife, your, hands, your handsome husband, your money, your house, your intelligence, your clothes, your job, everything we have, everything we have, came from, from God as we live. And thirdly, God's greatest love is the reason why we are assured of His security. That's on verse 33 to 39. The basis of death, his death. It is Christ that died. By the merit of his death, he paid our debt. And the surety's payment is a good plea to an action of debt. It is Christ, an able, all-sufficient Savior. Second, his resurrection, he that has risen again. This is his this is a much greater encouragement for us, for it is convincing evidence that divine justice was sat- satisfied by the assurance. We are assured that He can defend us. In verse 34, Romans says, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. The accusation of people, and sometimes even Christians, who don't believe that God is able to hold our salvation permanently, it doesn't mean that once you are saved, you are always saved. No. The effect of salvation is to keep on obeying God in your life. If we say that we are saved, and it doesn't reflect, of how we walk, then there's a big question mark. There's a big question mark on us. We must walk what we talk. It's like what I've said earlier. If we knew that we are leaving His grace, then we can be assured because we are not the one holding our salvation, it is God. According to Paul in Second Timothy chapter one, verse twelve, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted, what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. The accusation from our enemy. Many times, he, make, he makes us believe that we are not safe. He always injects lies in our mind. In Revelation 12, chapter 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Second, we are assured of our relationship. That's on verse 8 to 36. Can everything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are all killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. We are cured of the victory. Romans 8.7.6 No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Through Christ Jesus, love us. It is the love of God that He gave to us through Jesus Christ. In conclusion that I've shared... Last part. I want to say this things to all of us here. It is not our own effort or works, but by His works. It's truly really the Word of God. Not based on the law, but through His unfailing grace and unwavering promises that Christ showed more than 2,000 years ago. It is finished work of Christ on the cross. And because of the greatest love that bestowed to us, we are assured that we are safe, provided all the things and the needs, and we are protected. Good evening,
1: and may God bless us.